Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. When I was five years old, my mom would sometimes pick me up on her lunch break with her coworker Lori. One particular Friday, she took me to Upper Crust Pizza. It was a convenient spot for her and Lori, but to my five-year-old mind, the gold banisters and big pleather booths meant that this place was a high-class joint. We sank into the booths, drank sodas out of mason jars, and ate our square pizza slices. It was a good time, until the check came. And dear listener, this was not an expensive bill. It was lunchtime prices at a pizza parlor in a sleepy beach town. But I didn't understand anything about money yet, being five years old. And remember, I was taking the name Upper Crust, literally. So when Lori and my mom started doing the old, no, please let me pay, tug of war, I blurted out, mom, why are you fighting her? She wants to pay for it, let her pay for it. It's free money. Of course, they laughed. And this story continues to be a family favorite we bring up every time we go out together to this day. But what little five-year-old Jasmine didn't understand was the complicated dance we all do when it comes to money and friendships. Because, well, having friends means going out, doing activities together. In short, spending money. And since all my friends are from different backgrounds and make different salaries and have different values when it comes to saving and spending money, I still don't know what the proper etiquette is when the bill comes. I haven't yet mastered this dance. So instead, I just insist on paying most of the time. And that's unsustainable. Obviously, because I can't pay for everyone all the time. And then I start to fall down this rabbit hole of who deserves to be treated and who should I split a check with. And to make matters worse, since I moved to New York City, a lot of the social tension around this very problem has been turbocharged. Because the city is home to some super rich people. The kinds of people who will never, ever have to worry about making a living for the rest of their lives. And some of them are my friends. And I hope this doesn't make me a bad person because I don't want to pay for them. I don't even want to split the bill with them. Like, if my apartment can fit inside their apartment four times over, well, well, then maybe they can offer to pay once in a while. Am I wrong about this? Do the same mysterious unwritten rules apply with them? How does this dance change when the wealth disparity between us is so great? 
It's all very confusing, made nearly incomprehensible because we just don't talk about this kind of thing. I mean, not really. So I want to talk about it. Just get it out there. Kind of the adult Jasmine equivalent of my childhood questions. And so this week, The Cut is collaborating with NPR's Life Kit to figure out the best way to approach the sticky situations that come up around money and friendships. Later on in the episode, Otega Iwaba, author of We Need to Talk About Money, lays out her best strategies for navigating relationships and money. And this advice is free. This is a public service, folks. Social and financial dynamic understanding for the people. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to talk to this guy. Okay, part two on Lamborghini ownership. I'm sure many of you have already rolled your eyes and said, oh, $3,100 a month, Tom, that's how much I'm making a whole month. How am I going to afford a Lamborghini? That's where real estate wholesaling comes in and also rental properties. This is Tom Cruise, not the actor, but the guy behind at T Cruise NC on TikTok. I'm also starting hashtag F evictions Friday, where you send in your eviction case if you have a notice or anything from a landlord. And I already have a couple other sponsors. We're going to be giving away a ton of cash on Friday, trying to help people stay out of evictions. He's kind of an odd dude. He's part finance bro, part Robin Hood, part aspirational influencer. And either way you slice it, he's rich and he's very open about it. So open, in fact, that he and his friends keep a literal ranked list. So a few years ago, me and my friends started making a spreadsheet, breaking down our incomes and availability for travel. And it looks like this. It's basically a Google sheet, but it lists out everyone's salaries, bonuses, projected income. This is incredibly helpful. Um, If you have your friends broken down here from Sean, my top-earning friend who makes over $5 million to who we call Broke Bob, who makes 125000 So Tom posted this TikTok showing off the spreadsheet, and understandably, it went viral. And it got lots of backlash, as you can imagine. When the bottom earner in this spreadsheet makes $125,000 a year and is labeled Broke Bobby, well, you know that's the term that's going to trend on Twitter. I get it. I get why people are pissed off that we call him Broke Bobby, because the way that they relate it is like, if he's making three times as me, then, you know, I'm, 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 I'm destitute. And people made funny jokes about that. So, and that's not the point. So what is the point then, Tom? Because it seems to me like an invitation for a Twitter dragging, if I ever seen one. And of course, Tom was flooded with DMs calling him out for ranking his friends, for centering money in his relationships, for even sharing this financial spreadsheet. And listen, I had the same reaction when I saw these posts, but social media is a prism of lies, so I just had to know. Are finance bros really like this? Because if so, yikes. But there's got to be more to this. So I gave Tom the benefit of the doubt and a chance to explain himself and this cursed spreadsheet. It started originally when we couldn't agree on what we were going to do in Vegas. Tom and his friends graduated college in 2010, and they wanted to stay in touch and plan some bro trips together. Being all business or finance or tech majors, because of course they are, they wanted to organize all of this info into one place. I would have expected them to actually create like a whole SaaS software platform to to track this for us. But yeah, we, we just settled on a Google spreadsheet. So Tom and his friends started what he called a humble spreadsheet, where the top earner only made $150,000 a year. You know, just a few post-college buddies trying to go to Vegas by sketching out how much time people could take off, normal, how much people might want to drop on a weekend trip, normal, and their salaries and projected income, not normal. But bruh, this was all in service to the party gods. Because this is what happens when you have anything more than six people, and I've been on enough bachelor parties to see how much of a cluster this becomes, 
if, if you go and it's not planned, then it's just a bunch of dudes hanging in a hotel room, drinking, waiting, you know, for something to happen. And I just hate that. I hate walking around in groups of, you know, just guys with nowhere to go. And it just, it, it's weird. It sucks. There's no itinerary. It, you, you can't do anything in Vegas without a reservation now. So that's all stuff has to be pre-planned. That's, that's really where it started. And then it just became more a dick measuring contest, if you will. <laughs> so it's fair to say that your friends were like, totally on board with this. No one really cared. I mean, it's, it's just money. I think that's kind of the biggest thing with people worrying about like the transparency of how much you make. I don't know why that was ever a taboo. Tom is kind of like baby Jasmine here, wondering why my mom wouldn't just let her friend pay the check. But I'm not a kid anymore. And I get why people have hangups when talking about money with their friends. There's a moral filter that slides over things like income, class, and spending in America. Are you poor? Well, that must be your own fault. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Are you rich? Good for you. How virtuous of you to climb that ladder. This is not about splitting checks or comparing salaries. Money can be a stand-in for values here. But Tom says it's more like this. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. So it sounds like you're taking the uncomfortable elephant in the room and just shining like a big old spotlight on it. Like extreme transparency, is this how you deal with like all of your friendships, like kind of like an extension almost of business? I mean, it's not business, but you know what I mean? It is. I mean, I would say with my friends, if we're making plans or if we're going to go into business together, I mean, I, I'm always very upfront about it. Um, I'll let them know like, hey, if you're not going to be pulling your weight a as your role, then we're going to have to have something in here where, you know, there's a buy sell where I can buy you out or you can buy me out or if we're not happy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been very transparent up front because it just never works um, in business or personal. If you're not transparent or honest with what you want, it just then resentment builds and then it becomes like you lose a friend. And then at that point, it's obviously not worth it. So when you're this transparent, they have no out. They can't say, oh, I didn't know that or oh, I didn't know that's how you felt about it. Like, hey, we're going to Vegas. We're going to spend one hundred thousand dollars this weekend. Do you want to come? Yes or no. You know, it's just OK okay or not <laughs> you know there's no getting there and being like oh i can't do that or oh, i can't go you know to the club whatever so we try yeah, to avoid that yeah. so for the spreadsheet itself obviously i can see the upsides in that's yeah you know it makes it easier to communicate and efficiently like plan something and, and it has this weird added benefit for you and your bros to have this dick measuring contest yeah. <laughs> and it's in good fun is there are there any downsides for you guys does it hinder in any way um we haven't seen any downsides. I mean, for, as far as I know, no one's, you know, had any hurt feelings about it. We never mm -hmm. exclude anyone. Mm. Uh, it's not like there's a click, you know, like the top five and the bottom five. Like <laughs> I would actually argue that I hang out with some of my lower income friends than I do with my higher income friends because coincidentally or more ironically, they have more time off. So, you know, most of the time I'm hanging out with going on vacation with some of the friends that are in that, you know, hundred fifty to $250,000 income range. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't help but laugh right now because like, it's so funny to hear you talk about like my lower income friends in the 150 to 250 I mean, it's range. all, it's all, it's all relative. When you look at it in a vacuum, it very much looks like a douchey, classist, uh, you know, like a tone deaf, read the room, Tom kind of thing. But this is just like normal. I mean, very few of them, I think had a silver spoon in their mouth when they're born. So it's not yeah. like these are trust fund babies. I mean, most of these people were self-made. Um, a big reason that, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff in common and we hang out with each other. So, yeah. yeah. 
By the way, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing. Oh at no, this. I know. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten that. Yeah, yeah. I, and yeah. I understand the ridiculousness of it. I mean, I mean, the average median income in the U.S. is fifty thousand. So when it's actually a little bit higher than that, but definitely not one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. So what about those kind of people? Average people, the ones who make sixty, seventy k a year. Is Tom not friends with any of them? Is broke Bobby the cutoff point for him? So there's actually another list. It's called the welfare list. To be clear, none of these people are on welfare. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the you know the bottom the the bottom income earners, and that was started by another friend of mine. Okay, so like, doesn't this self-select your friends? Like, doesn't that mean like when you go on vacation, like do these bonding trips or do whatever that like if you want to have like absolute super dope baller time, you can't do that with the welfare list. So like you're like automatically building stronger relationships with people in your own quote unquote class, right? Uh, no, that's not even true. I mean, I've gone to, for example, Lake Tahoe, you know, with mm. some of my other friends and we've, you know, rented boats and been on the lake and had the times of our life. You don't have to spend a bunch of money to, you know, grow strong bonds. Um, that's why you know, I'm, I'm friends with both groups of people and I've never had, you know, a discrimination or mm. less close to some of these friends. Yeah. Does this level of transparency encourage friendships across like the salary bands? Like, do you find people like from the bottom being like, oh, I want to be friends with these people up here more? I would say it's more encouraging. I mean, I have friends that would have never talked to some of my higher earning friends, you know, just because they probably want to find out in the same circle. So they've met yeah. through there. And I mean, there's definitely, you know, built in networking into a list like this. So I would say that's kind of been a, a positive as well for it. So, like, at the core, this is solving a communication problem. It's a communication problem. It's a planning problem. It's mm -hmm. a um, transparency problem. I mean, it, it resolves a lot of that. And it never, ever, at any point, made you feel weird. Yeah, and that's really the only criteria. And people like that, from what I've seen, don't care talking about money. Yeah. You know? And if they do, then they're not in this list. Tom Cruise has this idea that being radically transparent about money with your friends is the way to go. For him, the spreadsheet helps his friend group manage expectations around big-ticket hangouts and prevents money hiccups and misunderstandings. And it also kind of gamifies friendship. And it seems like it's worked for him and his finance bros, but is this the kind of thing that's easy to do when you're not rich with time and money? When you have crushing student loan debt, sick relatives that need expensive round-the-clock care, or if money was always an issue in the relationships around you growing up? or any of the other million reasons why we could feel awkward around being transparent about our finances with our friends. They're the people who are supposed to understand us inside and out, yet letting them know the inside of our wallets is a whole nother level of intimacy. So what do we do if we find ourselves uncomfortable talking about money with our friends? NPR's Life Kit and Otego Wagba, author of We Need to Talk About Money, help us figure it out. That's after the break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, you might want to check out Nature's Sunshine and their new power line. Power Beats are a superfood performance booster that can help enhance both performance and blood flow. And Power Meal is a satisfying protein-packed superfood shake that comes in sustainable packaging made with nearly 40% post-consumer recycled plastics. Now that's something you can feel good about. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. I have a friend who's rich, rich, like heiress level rich, and I'm not like at all. And that brings a whole new set of awkward money questions into our relationship. Mainly, I get the feeling that my friend is insecure, that people only want to be friends with her because of her money. And I wish she could just know all the glitz and glamour that her wealth might bring don't hold a candle to the simple act of just being friends. But I have no idea how to even start that conversation with her. Yeah, and it's weird because regardless of which side of the kind of wealth divide you're on, like we find it difficult to talk about it. This is Otega Owagba. I talked to her to help me figure out why it's so weird for all of us to broach money conversations with friends. And she gives me some concrete advice on how to jump the yawning wealth gap that's preventing my rich friend and I from getting real about our friendship. So I'll give you a little bit of background on me first um, to give you an idea of what I'm going through right now. Uh, you know, I came from a pretty working class, middle class social circle back home in California. And then I moved to New York City and I found out that one of, well, a couple of my friends really were incredibly rich, ranging from like just money that <laughs> I would love to have to money I can't even imagine having. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I, it came as a surprise to me. It was like this big elephant in the room and I don't really know how to talk about it with them. Yeah, it's interesting because I have had a similar experience in that I grew up without a lot of money and I'd say I grew up kind of borderline working class slash lower middle class but I ended up getting a scholarship to a really fancy private school and then I went to Oxford which is a really elite university so actually for most of my life most of my friends have been from a wildly different socioeconomic group than me so I definitely relate to <laughs> uh, discovering that you know your friends just have these endless piles of money but I think because that's something that I kind of had in my teenage years it didn't really come as a surprise to me what did come as a surprise to me when I reached adulthood, is how many of them had family money that would enable them to buy properties, which in London is oh. very hard to do, as I'm sure in New York or any kind of major city. Um, 
And it's only recently that we've started having those conversations. And I think part of it has been down to me writing this book and them knowing that this is what I'm working on and that money is my subject. So in that case, what conversations about money should we be having with our friends and what kind of boundaries should we set with them on the outset? Have you worked out any kind of strategies? I think the main kind of conversations I have with my friends is kind of in a social context, like, do you want to go to this restaurant? Do you want to go on a holiday? I mean, just last week, a friend said, hey, a couple of us think of going to Mexico for New Year. And I just said, I've had a really expensive year. I also had a really nice holiday over the summer. So I don't think I can afford this one. I'm going to sit it out. And she was totally understanding. But for me, one of the key conversations is being honest and communicating what you can or can't afford and, and, you know, being honest about your limitations, both with your friends and with yourself. Like I think self-delusion is one of the like most expensive habits (laughs) trying to keep up with your friends or compete with friends who have more money than you do. Yeah. Have you ever come into a conversation where you want to approach the topic, you want to just like air things out, especially with somebody who is wealthier than you and they don't want to? I have. Yeah. Um, A scenario that I wrote about in my book is when I was like 27 or 28. Um, At this point, I was like, I'm never going to be able to get on a housing ladder. But I had a friend who had bought a place when we were 24. And I knew that she'd had help from her parents with the deposit. And I knew what she'd been earning at the time that she had bought this place because we'd been doing the same job. We'd worked together and I knew her salary because it was the same as mine. And so I was kind of crunching the numbers and I was like, I don't understand how you got a mortgage to afford this place, even with help on a deposit. Like I was like, I just don't get it. I was like, as a, like a specialist lender. And I went over to her place once and I just kind of said, hey, like, you know, I'm trying to get my head around this mortgage thing. How did you get a mortgage? Like, how could you explain that to me? And she essentially got very awkward. And then it transpired that she didn't have a mortgage um, and that actually her parents had bought her the place outright. And she had spent, I guess, the past five years, like, admitting to mention that. (laughs) I, I I, I think the word is lying to, like, me and, like, various friends about it for for her own reasons. Um, And I think in that moment, I had to kind of explain to her why it wasn't helpful because I was like, it's completely skewed my perceptions of what is and isn't possible with housing because I'd gone into that conversation thinking that she was going to tell me about this loophole and the loophole was just family money. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, But also I kind of had the conversation with her of like why she, you know, had told people this and I guess she didn't want people to think that she was like rich and then you know potentially take advantage of her for generosity or expect things yeah I've definitely been in the almost almost the exact same scenario where a friend of mine who was much wealthier than me I had no idea she was much wealthier than me she invited me to her place and that's how I found out because there was just Mm. no way that somebody could afford a house like that in the middle of Manhattan Mm. um if you're born rich you can't help how you're born just as much as I can't help how I was born but Letting go of that resentment sort of feels like I'm just adapting my situation to rich people and my, and their discomfort rather than prioritizing my own feelings. So, like, I want to do both. You know, I want to, like, I want to show the rich people, like, hey, I understand you're also human. Just be human with me. Just be authentically you and just don't be rude about it. And I will do the mm. same. But I can't seem to, you know, make that connection as well as I'd like to. I feel like in my experience, that resentment kind of tends to arise when people are either dishonest or oblivious about their good fortune. You know, I've had a friend who did really well um, 
you know, professionally start this business that's made her a lot of money. And, but because she's kind of gone from just being like, I guess, like an average person to not so average person in terms of wealth, she really understands what it's like. And so I don't feel that kind of resentment towards her or feel like put out by it because she almost she kind of like hasn't lost touch if that makes sense and and she's very well aware like she's painfully aware mm. of her good fortune versus someone who has just kind of always lived like that or isn't aware or thinks that that's just what life is like for everyone so it's i think it's you maybe you're being a bit harsh on yourself because i think <laughs> you're also responding to other people's um like maybe not great handling of their their own situation. Yeah, I love this. You're validating me so much right now. <laughs> um, so, so okay, so my last thing that I would love for you to validate, please continue, <laughs> is I'm, I'm afraid to bring up money to my wealthier friends because I'm afraid that they're going to think that that is the reason I'm friends with them. Like, I can tell that that is, like, a number one fear is, like, one of my friends, for example, is deathly afraid that people are only friends with her because they, like, assume that she's going to hook it up constantly. Mm. And I I end up spending more money than I want to just to make things simple when I hang out because I don't want to have that like tension hanging in there. It's like, you know, am I hanging out with you because I want to hang out with you or am I hanging out with you? you know, it just, how do I stop that whole section of tension and without making it awkward? How do I like lay that foundation that I'm not friends with you because you know, you can get me into these parties or you have this amount of wealth? Well, I think you kind of have to um, suck up that it is going to be awkward when you kind of have the initial conversation that I'm going <laughs> to advise that you have. Like an honest conversation in like a neutral setting. It's not the next time you guys go out and you're at a really expensive um, restaurant or bar or whatever. But maybe if you're going for a walk or like she's over at yours and just saying, hey, you know, do you think we could like and kind of suggesting alternatives of things that you can do that are maybe a little bit more in your budget and just say that like just be really honest like we are not in the same financial position and I don't want our friendship to be um kind of based around what we can do with each other that involves spending money like I think one of the weird silver linings of the pandemic was I realized how much I could sustain certain friendships without spending money because we couldn't go out we couldn't go anywhere and so there were a lot of phone calls and a lot of walks in the park and you know when restrictions eased to an extent a lot of like dinners at people's houses and it made me realize how we'd kind of gotten into this cycle of thinking the only way we could socialize with each other was to go somewhere expensive and you know service charge and get an uber home and actually that was all periphery to our friendship um so yeah yeah absolutely so on it i'm going to step back and do a big general you know overlook here what do you think we are getting wrong about money and friends Uh, let me have a think about that. I think one of the most toxic emotions around money um, can be shame. And I think that can be the thing that just like emotionally stops people from making progress in how they feel about money. I think I'm always really keen to say that just talking about money isn't necessarily going to change your material reality. I think that is kind of like a school of thought that is also being popularized. And I don't agree with it, but thinking about it on a kind of like a personal, psychological, emotional level, I think one of the best ways to alleviate shame is having conversations with people in your life or conversations with therapists. I think 
we're really conditioned not to talk about money and not to admit to some of our more base instincts and some of our more negative emotions, whether it is jealousy or bitterness or resentment, all these things. Um, and it kind of keeps us trapped and it keeps us locked and it stops you from really establishing a healthy relationship with money. So that's kind of the main reason, not to like name drop the book, but that is the main reason that I think that we need to talk about money because it absolutely can be transformative for how you feel about money. If you want more specific situational advice on money and friends, you can listen to an extended version of Otega's and my conversation on NPR's Life Kit. Their version of this episode is coming out on December 9th, or Thursday of this week. There, you can hear some more actionable advice on money and your friends. Everything from lifestyle inflation to accepting lavish gifts to splitting the bill. The Cut Podcast is made by me, Jasmine Aguilera, B.A. Parker, and Noor Busidi. Edited by Jolie Myers. Mixed by Alex Higgins. Our executive producers are Hannah Rosen and Nishat Kurwa. The Cut podcast is made possible by the team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support all their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Jasmine Aguilera. Thanks for listening. Celebrate Earth Month this April by harnessing the power of Mother Nature with Nature's Sunshine's new power line. From power greens with over 200 plant-based nutrients to support gut health and foundational nutrition to power beets that can improve performance and blood flow. Not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.